Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. What an end to the 2021 football season, huh, people? I guess now I can officially say Happy New Year. Now that football season is officially over, it is 2022. And so, you can kick off 2022 by heading over to Bet Online today to continue betting on basketball, hockey, some MMA, and the big dance being right around the corner. Use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up today. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy Podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it's a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is NFL Monday, Super Bowl week, the final NFL Monday of 2021. Happy New Year, people. You heard it on the intro before on the Bet Online sponsorship. It is the first day of the new sports calendar. The Los Angeles Rams won the Super Bowl. And they didn't win the Super Bowl the way I thought they might win the Super Bowl, which was by dominating the Cincinnati Bengals. They went 15 plays, 6 minutes to end the game. Just said, Cooper Cup, you're the playmaker. It's all on you. And he gets Super Bowl MVP. And Aaron Donald gets to make the final play of the game. And, ah, mwah. Poetic ending. Just a poetic ending. Sometimes we talk about the emotional stuff in football. That one was a poetic ending. You could make it even more poetic by Aaron Donald retiring after the game, which it's looking like Aaron Donald's going to retire based on all the reports that are coming out of the Rams. And uh, I believe Michelle Tafoya or Catherine Tappen, one of the broadcasters, was pretty adamant. Like, Aaron Donald is leaning towards retirement. Andrew Whitworth is going to retire a champion by beating the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, the Super Bowl does a lot of this, and there wasn't a lot of it the week leading up to the Super Bowl, but you can write a lot of poetic endings to football season. You can always find the fun stakes and the fun storylines, and the Rams get to lead a comeback in the Super Bowl to win against the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, We're going to talk about the game here. We're going to talk about all the other extravagancies around the Super Bowl in the Memes of the Weekend podcast. Maybe you've already listened to the Memes of the Weekend podcast by the time you're listening to the NFL Monday post-Super Bowl podcast. We'll get to the first three and a half quarters of the game, but the first place to start is always with the final seven and a half minutes of a football game, especially when the final seven and a half minutes of a football game have as much drama, excitement, and energy as this Super Bowl did. 
Cooper Cup at the end of the game was basically just the entire Rams offense. They said, we're going to go to either Cooper Cup or we ain't going to nobody. Cooper Cup had 10 targets. The next highest targeted receiver on the Rams was Van Jefferson. Third, Daryl Henderson. Daryl Henderson essentially became their de facto number three wide receiver after Odell Beckham was cooking to start the game. You know, the the Bengals secondary said we're going to take away Cooper Cup. Eli Apple's going to play one-on-one with Van Jefferson for a good portion of the game. And we're just going to let OBJ have two gigantic plays and a gigantic touchdown where he burns Eli Apple in coverage. And all of a sudden, the Los Angeles Rams lose Odell Beckham, can't run the ball for shit, and the Bengals immediately score 10 points right out the half with, you know, we can talk about the pass interference later, but the Cincinnati Bengals had a legitimate chance to go up 24 to 13. And if you would have said from that point onward that the Cincinnati Bengals would not score another point in this game, and by the way, Joe Burrow wouldn't throw an interception either. I mean, it seems genuinely shocking, but I said we'd get to the rest later. Let's talk about the very last drive of the game for the Los Angeles Rams, where they go down the field in four minutes with 15 plays. The bulk of the offense is Stafford to Cup, one play on an end around to Cam Akers, one play on an end around to Van Jefferson. They were throwing to generic number 88, who we're going to talk about in Memes of the Weekend. Just generic number 88 playing tight end, who I assumed was Higby, but all the dudes look like Higby on the Rams. Generic 88 was leading the charge as a tight end, and the Los Angeles Rams ended up getting a last drive that went 15 plays, 70 yards, and ends with the game-winning touchdown from Stafford to Cooper Cup with a couple penalties. And this is an awesome end for a bunch of reasons. Like, if you haven't heard the Cooper Cup story, it's in, it's really awesome. With his girlfriend at the time, then wife, working a full-time job and going to Eastern Washington so Cooper could basically play a full-time job for free. Wide receiver at Eastern Washington when you don't get compensated at the highest levels of the NCAA. Nonetheless, Division II Eastern Washington Eagles football. And it's an awesome story. And Cooper Cup is one of the McVay picks who tears his ACL before the first Super Bowl. And this year gets to be Super Bowl MVP. It's like, that's an awesome story. Aaron Donald walking away at the end. And Aaron Donald getting to make the last play on Joe Burrow. It's just mwah, poetry on that one. But at the end of the game, well, no, really, let's start off the entire game. Rams couldn't run the ball for shit. Couldn't run the ball to save their goddamn lives at the beginning of the game. And the Los Angeles Rams kept trying to run the ball. Like, this was not the surprising part all throughout the season. The Los Angeles Rams were one of three teams that were above 500 that lost time of possession this year. And for those keeping track at home, time of possession is more is more likely to connotate with running the ball because when you run the ball the clock never stops but on 20% or 30% of your passes whichever incomplete percentage you have the clock stops because the ball falls incomplete and so the Rams throw the ball more cuz of course they throw the ball more their personnel was Cooper Cup, Tyler Higby, Odell Beckham, of Robert Woods. I mean they didn't play at the same time but Robert Woods the first half of the season, Odell Beckham the second half of the season. And then you took away 
all of their receivers because this season just just a dead sprint to the end of please stay healthy as Odell Beckham has a ligament damage in the first half injury and Higby's out because he had a total had a terrible injury and the tight end for the Bengals is throwing his knee brace into the crowd at a rally before the game and uh, it's all just insane as as Joe Burrow injures his knee on the last play of the game and just refuses Joe Burrow goes down last play of the drive right before the 15 play game winning Super Bowl drive everyone's dropping players left and right the Bengals offensive line can't hold up which we'll get to that in a second when we talk about the other three and a half quarters of the game and the Rams although they ran the ball more than I would have liked at the end they had two drives during the game where I felt like they are calling near excellent play calls it was the second touchdown drive where they went pass play pass play and then like that end around to uh I think it was Henderson ran an end around where he was in single coverage with Trey Hendrickson and then they end up throwing a touchdown to Cooper Cup it was a near perfect drive to start off the second quarter where they go big play to Odell big play to Daryl Henderson touchdown to Cooper Cup and that last drive they basically said we're going to throw the ball to Cooper Cup and we're going to dare you to guard Cooper Cup. He's still going to make plays even in coverage. And similarly to Jamar Chase making that 46-yard one-handed catch on Jalen Ramsey. Still going to make plays even when you cover him well. And occasionally we're going to throw the ball to Van Jefferson because you're going to be shading off a route on Cooper Cup. And we're going to run an end around to Akers. But everything else is pretty much going to be target Cooper Cup. Except for the first and goal play where Van Jefferson was butt naked open in the back of the end zone. And they missed him on the throw. And it's interesting because it reevaluates the way I think about football in these end of game moments. And I talked about this with Josh Allen a couple weeks ago. Where you can't run the ball with Josh Allen all the time. Because Josh Allen's body is going to crumble like Cam Newton's did when he's your entire offense and you make a Super Bowl with Ted Ginn as your leading wide receiver. Like, people have learned from the Cam Newton experiment in that way with quarterbacks. With game-changing wide receivers, you can't throw the ball to game-changing wide receivers on every single play. Because eventually you have to establish alternative options. And the Rams were out of alternative options. Like, the strength of the Rams' offense throughout the season was, we can throw to Odell Beckham here, we can throw to Higby in the middle of the field and use him kind of like how the Chiefs use Kelsey, where he just kind of sits in the middle of the field and catches passes and tumbles forward. Or we can use play-action plays and get Stafford rolling outside because Stafford's not the most athletic quarterback in the world, but neither is Joe Burrow. Both of them are threats moving out of the pocket. We can use different options, and occasionally Cooper Cup will, or not occasionally, Cooper Cup will be there always as an alternative option. And when push came to shove, the Rams were smart enough to toss all of that away. And I was listening to Sean McVay talk before the Super Bowl, and one of the things he talked about was overthinking things offensively in the first game where he played against Bill Belichick. And he ends up coming together at the end and saying, we can't run the football, so we're going to go on the 15-play drive, 12 passes, 3 runs. One run is going to be an end-around to Cam Akers. One is going to be a QB sneak by Matthew Stafford. And that's going to be the bulk of our offense. I think the third one actually was the Cam Akers one that set up first and goal, which they were able to call 
because it was two seconds before the two-minute warning, and the Bengals weren't exactly ready for them to call a play right before the two-minute warning. And so the Rams said we're going to keep throwing the football at the end of the game, and that is where our bread is buttered because, of course, personnel dictates things differently. Like, I know it's it's crazy to think about when we talk about, well, of course the Rams throw the ball a lot at the end of the game. The Rams also ate clock at the end of the game. These were not deep shots down the field. This was strategic seven-yard pass to Cup, seven-yard pass to Jefferson, seven-yard pass to Cup, four-yard pass to Cup. The offense that I'd wanted them to run the entire game, but they just kept handing the ball off to running backs that were not capable. And I know it seems obvious that the Rams should throw the ball a lot. But remember, this is a Sean McVay offense that's built on the same zone running schemes learned under the Mike Shanahan system. And so Sean McVay is built on running the football, and it's the reason why people were kind of calling him out for in-game decisions at the end, which felt a little bit unfair because it felt like we just needed to find something to nitpick Sean McVay on the way we can nitpick Zach Taylor or nitpick Mike Vrabel or nitpick any of these disposable coaches in the NFL who 18 of which have been fired in the last three years. And Sean McVay still throughout the season had, he built the team, like him and Les Snead built the team with their security from their previous success where they inherited Todd Gurley, they inherited Aaron Donald, they made a Super Bowl within two years with an 18-point collapse by a Saints team that was clearly better than them in 2018. That gave them the leeway to build out the roster that they had in this Super Bowl. And ultimately, they were smart enough at the end of the game to... And Les Snead obviously didn't have anything to do with it at the end. But at the end, it was just get the ball to Cooper Cup, get the ball in the hand... Or get make design plays for Aaron Donald. And ultimately, how does the Super Bowl end? It ends with Cooper Cup one-on-one in the end zone, making the catch where he was covered well on the last play. It's just one-on-one, throw it up. What chance are you going to have to guard Cooper Cup? And fourth and one with one of the worst offensive lines that's just allowed six sacks in the uh, 17 minutes of the third quarter and the beginning of the fourth quarter. In one quarter of NFL football, allows six sacks and for Joe Burrow to suffer a knee injury right before the fourth quarter. When all of that is going on, you have Cooper Cup and Aaron Donald win the game. And usually these are the quarterbacks that do this, right? Like the elite quarterback is the thing we talk about all the time that separates people. Rare is the player that changes the game while not being an elite quarterback. And ironically, the Rams had two of them that somehow weren't elite quarterbacks. Just how during their 2018 Super Bowl run, they had two guys who were not elite quarterbacks who ended up play, who happened to play on the same team and happened to transcend the sport and help the Rams make a championship with the help of the Saints falling apart, no question. But the Rams also benefited from the Packers falling apart this year because the Packers have the generational quarterback and an amazing wide receiver who I don't even know if he's as good as Cooper Cup. It's really hard to do quarterback evaluations. I'm sorry, it's hard to do wide receiver evaluations on this. But the Rams get to this point, and it's those two special players that happen to make special plays. And that's where poetic justice at the end of the Super Bowl comes right into play. Because the Bengals have two very, very good players. Joe Burrow is incredible, and I can also name seven quarterbacks better than Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow didn't even play poorly in this game. It's just incredible that the Bengals did not score again after they had the 75-yard play where T. Higgins face masks Jalen Ramsey, which just put this out here now so we don't have to come back to it. 
the face mask play was a blown call. And I said after the 2018 NFC Championship game with the Rams and the Saints, blown calls are a part of the game. Refs don't change the outcomes in that way because refs are mortal and refs are human, and I'm not going to scapegoat a referee for a decision. And that play doesn't go against Jalen Ramsey. In a game where Jalen Ramsey had a brutal day, just a brutal day for Jalen Ramsey. I mean, we talked about him leading up probably more than we talked about Aaron Donald and the storyline of that. It's like, how is Jalen Ramsey going to guard T. Higgins? How is he going to guard Jamar Chase? Jalen Ramsey got cooked today. And Jalen Ramsey doesn't get any punishment for the T. Higgins one because it's just a bad break on his part. Yes, we were going to remember it if the Rams lost the Super Bowl the same way that we remember the um, Russell Wilson throwing the interception on Malcolm Butler, but we don't remember the Jermaine Curse bobble catch right before. We were going to remember that play, and now it gets forgotten like the Jermaine Curse bobble catch or the Julio Jones toe tapper at the end of Super Bowl 51. Yeah, we're going to go on to forget that play, and Jalen Ramsey wouldn't have been punished for it regardless on that one. But Jalen Ramsey, also a special player, got burned in this game, got toasted. And Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup, who also happen to be generationally great players at their positions, happen to make the big plays in the big moments. And the whole point of acquiring Stafford over Jared Goff is just Stafford's good enough to make those plays at the end of the game. Jared Goff, not good enough, consistently enough. Jared Goff threw an interception with four minutes left down seven in the Super Bowl. And this time, Matthew Stafford down four, perfect pass over the middle to Cooper Cup and a touchdown pass to Cooper Cup at the end, put right where Cooper Cup can get it, right where the corner can't. Doesn't matter how good the corner covers him. No way you can defend that play. And the Rams win the championship. All those little moves breaking their way work in the Rams' favor the same way all the little moves were about to work in the Cincinnati Bengals' favor because they were just going to be the healthiest team at the end. They get to the playoffs because Lamar Jackson gets hurt. They end up winning in the first round or the second round against the Titans because Derrick Henry is hurt. And they end up beating the Kansas City Chiefs on a, you know, one in a thousand loss. For Kansas City. It, may, it has never happened before for Kansas City. May never happen again in that position. The Bengals get all of those breaks going their way, and all of the Rams receivers get hurt, and they almost get to be the ones at the end. And that game was a toss up, and it was a beautiful toss up and a poetic ending for the worthy champions of 2021 the Los Angeles Rams with Super Bowl MVP Cooper Cup and Walking out with his final play being the Super Bowl ceiling tackle of Joe Burrow, Aaron Donald. Isn't sports awesome? Tell me you haven't heard this before. You're sitting in your favorite restaurant, coffee shop. Maybe you're sitting in an airport because your flight's been delayed for an extra hour and a half. You want to use your phone and you want to use your computer, but you're afraid of that public Wi-Fi. Because you've heard all the stories. Maybe it's happened to you where your data gets hacked, your information's out there on the dark web. It's it's scary. It happened to me uh, last year, actually. If you want to protect yourself nowadays, it's really important that you get security. And NordVPN has a deal for you today. If you go to nordvpn.com slash believe and use our code BLEAV, you can get 70% off a protection plan with NordVPN for two years with an additional month for free. 
With a 30-day money-back guaranteed, you are also risk-free if you don't want the service. Sign up today at nordvpn.com slash believe. Okay, now that we've done the momentous storytelling of the Los Angeles Rams championship over the Cincinnati Bengals, let's go back and talk about the other three and a half quarters. Although you could totally make the argument that the first three and a half quarters just don't really matter in the grand scheme of things. It's just another football game. We watched 256 of them this year. Yes, the strategy changed ever so slightly, but there was a lot of intrigue that came out of this game, and this is the day to talk about the Super Bowl because we'll move on to talking about Russell Wilson and what is going to happen with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers after all of this is done. I was so confused why the Rams were running the ball during this game as much as they were, and in fairness, you can't like not run the football at all. It's not that crazy that the Los Angeles Rams have 70% of their plays be pass and 30% of their plays be run. It's not the most insane thing in the world. They had 40 pass, well 41 if you count the Cooper Cup reverse Philly special that overthrew Matthew Stafford. Not the only overthrow in the game, I might add. They they ran they threw they had 41 passes and they had essentially 18 designed runs they also had you know Stafford QB sneak a couple but designed runs they had 18 passing 41 so about 70% of their plays end up being pass plays and that is a lot in fairness it is a a high percentage I was still surprised how much they were running the football because the Los Angeles Rams running game had been terrible all season they got into like second and 10 situations and were trying to call run plays some of them in four down territory but they just kept calling run plays i was just so confused throughout it they ran a screenplay on third and seven where um they had a comeback route with cooper cup and he only went for four yards and they immediately punt this was right before the odell beckham injury and that whole way i kept thinking their offense looked so incredibly efficient during the two scoring drives they had so after the third and one for the ram or third and one for the Bengals that ended up short around midfield and then zach taylor went for it and samaje p ryan's route brought number 50 right into the path of the throw which by the way was a good play call to go for it on fourth and one you go for it on fourth and one past the other past your own 40 every single time you always go for it on fourth and one just didn't work out on that one rams ended up converting it into a touchdown bad break for the Bengals playing the numbers there the cincinnati Bengals ultimately end up giving the ball back to the rams and the rams offense looks super efficient on the touchdown that goes to odell beckham and then seven to three and they had that drive we talked about earlier where they go uh play action pass to i believe it was uh obj 26 yards then daryl henderson wheel route where he's one-on-one with trey hendrickson that was a big play and then the touchdown to cooper cup their offense looked so efficient and then it got to a point where it looked like they were starting to hide matthew stafford And the Bengals scored a touchdown on a drive where the secondary just dropped back and said, we're going to let you go down the field and then we're going to stop you in the red zone. And then Joe Mixon threw a touchdown pass that they were not prepared for. Awesome play call by the Bengals. On a drive where the Rams said, we're going to drop back in coverage, take away the deep ball, and let you move down the field, and then we're going to bring the pressure once you get in the red zone. The Bengals countered and said, ah, watch this trick play that you're not prepared for here. Instead of a run where you're stacking the middle, watch us just float this little touchdown over the top. It was an awesome play call. But the Rams get kind of conservative there. And then 
Uh, Jamar Chase, by the way, can we say before we go further, when it was 7-0 and Jamar Chase had that 46-yard catch with one hand and just, like, Jalen Ramsey gets credit for getting beat on that play. Jalen Ramsey played awesome coverage and Jamar Chase still just one-handed catches this. And this happened a few times during the season where I think it was Casey Hayward in the playoff game played perfect coverage on Jamar Chase and it just didn't matter because he put the ball in a place where Hayward couldn't reach it and only Chase could two-hand catch it on the sidelines. Like this is the difference between special wide receiver and and to a certain extent with Joe Burrow's special quarterback. Joe Burrow's not as special a quarterback as Jamar Chase's special wide receiver. But quarterback position matters more. The combination of the two is what allows the Bengals to make a deep playoff run when that's the, the strength of their offense. And that 46-yard play was so incredible from Jamar Chase. Just absolutely incredible timing route and a one-handed catch just nothing you could do on that but flash forward so it's halftime yeah we got the awesome halftime show 90s hip-hop shout out 50 cent for surprising me by hanging upside down inside the halftime show we'll talk about that more on memes of the weekend but fast forward halftime show evan mcpherson sitting there being swaggy kicker hashtag kick jagger on the sidelines of the halftime show 30 13 10 coming out of the break and immediately 75-yard touchdown interception by Stafford on the first play. 40 seconds in, the Ram or the Bengals have the potential to guarantee 10 points and score 14 and go up 24 to 13. And in the exact same way that the Kansas City Chiefs could have ended the game against the Bengals by just kicking a field goal at the end of the half. The Cincinnati Bengals have third down and close to goal. I don't think it was third and goal at the time, but it was pretty close to third and goal within the 10-yard line. And Joe Burrow gets sacked by Aaron Donald, and they kick a field goal to make it 20-13. to And they didn't score another point after that. With 12 minutes to go in the third quarter, the Cincinnati Bengals did not score another point. It's why I would have articulated for Aaron Donald to get the defensive, uh, or sorry, the Super Bowl MVP. I know they don't win the game without the Cooper Cup drive, and the again, we talked about it earlier. Rams couldn't run the ball for shit. Their number two receiver was essentially a create-a-player wide receiver, a create-a-player tight end, number 88 for the Rams. Have no idea who number 88 is. It's not Skornick or Skorinek, whatever the made-up wide receiver was, who dropped the pass that got intercepted by Stafford. Oh, I forgot. Stafford also had another interception right before the half that was just a, a, a Hail Mary punt interception where it was like third and 14. He threw it 55 yards and got picked. It doesn't really count against Stafford, even though the scoreboard will count it against Stafford. Fast forward to the the white receiver, the, the generic white receiver for the Rams. I think that's what we called him in the NFC Championship game. Generic white receiver who dropped the pass that got intercepted and led to making it 20 to 13 when the Bengals could have had 14 points in two minutes to start the half. And that game would have been over. Like when the Bengals got the interception, I started contemplating the Bengals are going to win this game because if the Bengals score a touchdown on that drive immediately after intercepting Stafford at the 37 yard line, they go up 24, 13. And I don't have the confidence that the Rams offense can get to 23 points. Now, ultimately they got to exactly 23 points 
but it took a lot for a Rams offense that was really struggling to find its footing anywhere other than with Cooper Cup. And ultimately, the last drive, that was almost all that mattered, was just get the ball to Cooper Cup one-on-one with Eli Apple, and you're probably going to win. I did not realize everyone hates Eli Apple. Like, everyone hates Eli Apple. The Chiefs, his former teammates with the Saints, everyone hates Eli Apple also. So, anyways, we go through that. And we have the Los Angeles Rams getting the ball in a 20-13 game at this point. And again, we talked about the Jalen Ramsey play there. Um, And then we have Aaron Donald shoving Joe Burrow down at the end. And Aaron Donald looked like he was revving on fumes the whole way through. Like when Joe Burrow throws that pass, I'm sorry, when Stafford throws the pass that almost gets intercepted like Aaron Donald is like a nervous wreck on the sidelines like this is I have been here before I have been trailing I've seen the offense lose me a Super Bowl and I am the I am this generation's greatest defensive player I change games the way an elite quarterback changes games and I'm going up against a team that has a shit offensive line like you just can't ask for anything crazier and with the Rams offense sputtering and the Bengals having an opportunity to go up 24 or go up two scores 24 13 the Bengals allowed six sacks within essentially a 17 minute window just longer than one quarter they allow six sacks of Joe Burrow and Joe Burrow, they showed the stat during the game, was the leading sack, was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL this year, and is the first quarterback to ever make the Super Bowl while being the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. And he took a bruising with the knee. This is the same thing, by the way. If the closest comparison to Joe Burrow is Andrew Luck at this point, because Andrew Luck, number one pick, generational guy. Uh, Blake Jude had Joe Burrow as the highest graded prospect he'd ever graded when he came out of the draft in 2020. Like, Joe Burrow is essentially Andrew Luck, and Andrew Luck made it through to an AFC championship game and a divisional playoff game in his first three years with no offensive line. An offensive line that, again, Ryan Grinson, the former general manager of the Colts, crimes against football, that he destroyed that marvel of a physical body, that he destroyed Andrew Luck's career that quickly is a crime to football. But Joe Burrow is essentially Andrew Luck, is is a generation... Uh, is a new generation's Andrew Luck and Joe Burrow in that I mean Joe Burrow again probably has the same resume as Andrew Luck they'll lose in the second round next year should have lost in the conference championship game to the Chiefs was getting blown out of the water against the Chiefs and Joe Burrow getting sacked that many times was apparently the even the difference between the Los Angeles Rams having no rushing attack and having a generic tight end as their wide receiver too like at all the injuries falling apart for the Rams where Eric Weddle is called off the street to play safety for the Rams and he has to have a giant shoulder sling and Odell Beckham has two catches 52 yards a touchdown then gets hurt Robert Woods has been out the entire season uh Tyler Higby's not playing in this game Cam Akers is playing essentially six months removed from a torn Achilles and they still can't run the football to save their lives all the injuries to the Los Angeles Rams that would doom a team like them way earlier in the season, if not for having three generational talents, unlike Lamar Jackson, who is the only generational talent 
on his football team. No disrespect to Marlon Humphrey. Very, very good corner. Not as good as Jalen Ramsey is at corner. Not as good of a corner as Aaron Donald is as a defensive tackle. Not as good as a corner as Cooper Cup is as a wide receiver. Like, if Lamar Jackson has other stellar teammates, the Bengals don't even make the playoffs possibly. Or they're the seven seed who have to play the Chiefs in the wild card and play Buffalo and play Baltimore to get to the Super Bowl, at which point the Bengals would have been exposed as the fifth best team in the AFC this year. That part's not to be salty at all. That's just the analysis of injuries matter a shit ton in football. Tom Brady won a seventh championship because the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line got hurt. And the Bengals offensive line was terrible. And even that didn't overcompensate all of the injuries that happened to the Los Angeles Rams. And by the way, all the good breaks that went the Bengals way from Ben generic white guy wide receiver dropping a pass that gives the Bengals field positioning at the 37 because it got intercepted off a tip and T Higgins not getting called on the face mask that leads to a 75 yard touchdown 14 point swing in the direction of the Cincinnati Bengals all the good breaks that go their way and all the injuries to the Los Angeles Rams and the only thing the Bengals did wrong was not have a good offensive line and not be able to guard Cooper Cup. Which again, Jalen Ramsey could not guard Jamar Chase. So no corner on the Bengals is anywhere in the realm of Jalen Ramsey, and they're trying to guard Cooper Cup, who just came off of maybe the greatest single season for a wide receiver in the history of the NFL. Won the Triple Crown as a wide receiver like maybe the greatest single wide receiver season ever and you got Eli Apple and Vaughn Bell trying to guard him and there's no shame in that one but there is a shame in the offensive line getting destroyed by the Rams and the thing I talked to Blake Jude about like I just couldn't get over the Rams have the great pass rush and the Bengals have a terrible offensive line that was the part that couldn't get over And it almost didn't matter in the end result, but it was the only thing the Bengals didn't have going for them that wasn't good enough to beat the Rams. Not good enough to win the Super Bowl, like all of those things should have been exposed by the Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills and a healthy Baltimore Ravens team. All of those issues they had throughout the season that they never really had a true force in the in a pass defense their linebackers Logan Wilson was pretty good but everyone else in the linebacking core was super weak they lost Larry Ogunjobi in the middle of their defense so it would have been easier for a stronger running team to run the football on them all of those things should have been exposed by better teams earlier in the playoffs the, the Bengals were not a Super Bowl champion team like the, the Chiefs were better on paper, the Bills were better on paper, and the Ravens, when healthy, were better on paper than the Cincinnati Bengals. You could also kind of throw the Patriots in the mix, but I'm not going to do that game. I'm not going to play the if Bill Belichick had played this offense, how he would have taken away Jamar Chase. I'm not going to play that game. What I am going to play the game on here is it would have been good enough to beat the Rams tonight. All of that going wrong for the Bengals, or all of that being right for the Bengals, and the only thing that goes wrong, it, not by the way, everything going right for the Bengals and having people remarkably healthy and T. Higgins doesn't get called for a face mask on a 75-yard touchdown where he clearly face masks Jalen Ramsey and they get the drop pass by generic white wide receiver. All of those things going wrong for the Cincinnati Bengals 
all get wiped out by the offensive line, allowing a historic amount of sacks in the Super Bowl to a pass rush that has two Hall of Famers, one on the inside and one on the outside, coming after one of the worst offensive line units in the NFL. It's kind of incredible because even with all of that, they still came down to a coin toss against the Rams. That team was not good enough to win the Super Bowl, and yet that team with the Bengals was good enough to beat the Rams on this one day. There's a distinction between the two on those. And I'm just amazed that the offensive line falling apart for 17 minutes and one play on the last, or two plays on the last drive where Burrow has to throw it away on second and one, which sets up third and one, which is incomplete. Or I'm sorry, no, they run the ball on third and one and end up short and have to burn a timeout that ultimately ended the game anyways. But they had to call a timeout because they tried to run it on third and one. And then fourth and one, Aaron Donald gets a free rush at Joe Burrow and gets to make the game-ending play. Like, those two plays on the drive, after Jalen Ramsey, like, jumps a route that Jamar Chase takes 25 yards down the field, like, it looks like Joe Burrow's, if not going to go win the Super Bowl, at least send it to overtime, because they had 25-yard completion on the first play, 12-yard completion, or 9-yard completion on the second play. They gained 34 yards, got the ball to about the 40-something yard line of the Rams, And couldn't get one yard on three plays to just get them in field goal range. Maybe that's the thing everyone talks about tomorrow on Sports Talk Radio. Or maybe it's the grabbing the face mask, whatever. But the Cincinnati Bengals got to this place with all of their offensive weapons still getting all of the good breaks of, yeah, Joe Burrow gets sacked a lot and what? He throws it up to Jamar Chase, and Jalen Ramsey can play perfect coverage on Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase is going to one-hand catch a 46-yard pass that sets up a field goal. And what? That's how the Bengals get to this point. This is not even articulating that they should have taken Panay Sewell over Jamar Chase if we want to play that game that we did last year. No, they should have taken Jamar Chase 100,000%. Both can be true is that they made the right move. And their downfall at the end was the offensive line against a really, really good pass rush of the Tampa, of the Los Angeles Rams. And I find it so incredible that that's how it ends, is all of the good breaks are following Cincinnati's way. I know the Rams had some good breaks too in there, but the, the two biggest breaks you can think of in the game are T. Higgins face masks Jalen Ramsey and gets a 75-yard touchdown, and generic white receiver for the Rams has a pass hit his hands that gets intercepted by the Bengals on the first play of the second half. And they could have gone up 11 points right there. 21 unanswered points. And Johnny Hecker, by the way, 12-year punter for the Rams, drops a hold, which, how do you not call it choking in that situation that he just drops a hold that ends up going 13-3 instead of 14-3, which changes all the math at the end of the game where the Rams have to get a touchdown instead of being able to kick a field goal when Cooper Cup gets one-on-one with Eli Apple. Maybe you throw one-on-one to Eli Apple anyways. It just changes the math in that one. All of the good breaks going Cincinnati's way, or at least the biggest of the breaks that swing the result of the game, go Cincinnati's way. And they go 0 for 3 on fourth downs, and and the defense allows essentially seven sacks in the second half of the game, and the Cincinnati Bengals lose just because of that, 
because of a historically bad game by their offensive line, which they've had a lot of those this year. You could argue it's one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL. It's a unit that, like I said earlier, would have gotten exposed by better teams had they played better teams throughout the playoffs and not gotten a one in a thousand lucky break against the Kansas City Chiefs. All of that should have been exposed early on in the season. It got exposed at the end when they were still, even with all those problems, good enough to beat the Los Angeles Rams. Because Joe Burrow finished with a 101 passer rating in this game. He threw no interceptions. They essentially had two big touchdown drives. The only touchdown for Burrow gets to be the 75-yarder to T. Higgins, but they were, Burrow sets up the one where Joe Mixon gets to throw the touchdown. They played a game that was very good. I'm not going to say like great from Joe Burrow. He played a very good game. And his offensive line falling apart was the difference at the end because Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller are really, really good. And I haven't given Vaughn Miller his proper props for this game, but we can always do that by playing one of my favorite parody songs of all time for the Madden 2017 ad campaign set to Justin Bieber's Sorry, sung and danced by Vaughn Miller. Just start me. When I'm on your Madden team, brushing the passer and tackling dudes are some strings of mine. Build your game strategy around me because my rating is 99. Build a slot for LB by just calling on me and we both can shine. Because I just need one more shot to be MVP. Yeah, we can win, so I'm saying start me. Let's do this. Stop on plays, just using my body. When I'm on your Madden team, change your roster up and just start me. me. Opponents never gonna make first downs. Try and try, they won't gain no ground. team and take them all the way madden nfl 17 ea sports it's in the game i want to finish off the show here on the final nfl monday of super bowl week by circling the wagon back around to aaron donald because aaron donald is one of the few non-quarterbacks in the nfl that has an impact on a game the way that an elite quarterback does When we talk about the players who change the game by simply their presence on the field, it's like 10 quarterbacks and maybe four non-quarterbacks. And a big part of this is just how the NFL rules have been set up and the special talents that have to come through and, and play positions, one, positions of impact, like defensive tackle, running back in the case of Derrick Henry, linebacker, like T.J. Watt and Miles Garrett. You have to play those positions specifically and be miles better than the other players who also play the same position because elite quarterbacks are the best of the best and because of the way the rules are set up in the NFL, they change the game in that way. Even the elitist, the most elite wide receivers do still need sub-stability at the quarterback position in order to be elite and only in the cases of like DeAndre Hopkins with Brock Osweiler 
or DeAndre Hopkins with Brian Hoyer? Have we seen wide receivers overcome these circumstances? Or the one season Josh Gordon had 1,500 yards with Brandon Whedon as his quarterback? Or the one year that Odell Beckham had Eli Manning not be terrible before Eli Manning totally fell apart physically, and then he went to play with Baker Mayfield, and then he got to play with Stafford? Like, Odell Beckham got seven years of a Hall of Fame talent ruined by terrible organizations and terrible quarterbacks. But ultimately, like, the best of the best wide receivers in the NFL all also have very good quarterbacks. It's all very convoluted and complicated, but how does this relate to Aaron Donald? Because we can't talk enough about Aaron Donald coming out of this. This is praises for the greatest defensive player of his generation and Aaron Donald should retire after this game I'm going to put that out there first and foremost Aaron Donald has nothing left to prove in the NFL if you want to articulate that he can do the stat padding all-time records like having the all-time sack record or having the all-time tackles record whatever records you think Aaron Donald could break of the all-timers that are just stat padding collections of Tom Brady is the all-time leader in passing yards who passed Drew Brees and both of them took 22 years to do it or Hank Aaron being the home run champion in baseball but he also played 25 years in order to break the record Hall of Fame good but had to accumulate a lot of years in order to break those all-time records whatever you feel correct or incorrect about Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald has nothing left to prove, and if he walked away today, it looks like he could walk away with his physical health intact. And this is the part that's so difficult about football, is Joe Burrow essentially is the equivalent of his generation's Andrew Luck. And we talk about Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson quitting on the Detroit Lions, and then Matthew Stafford leaving the Detroit Lions and going to win a Super Bowl, because the Detroit Lions just cannot win. There is no winning with the Detroit Lions under any circumstances. And this is Aaron Donald's point now where he has nothing left to prove. And he really wanted the championship. And during the Super Bowl media week that seems kind of boring, but also I'd really like to partake in one of them. During that Super Bowl media week, you saw a lot of people talk about Aaron Donald the same way coaches, players, all were glowingly talking about Andy Reid when they went two years ago and there was a chance Andy Reid was going to get his first Super Bowl. And everyone's like, nobody deserves it more than Big Red. Andy has been this pinnacle of professionalism and nobody deserves a championship more than him. And Aaron Donald was getting a lot of the same praises from his teammates. As Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels both point out, Aaron Donald sprints onto the field with 120 to go left in the Super Bowl. Just dead sprints onto the field without his teammates coming out yet as they conserve energy. Aaron Donald is like, oh, I'm ready to go get people and make game-winning plays in the Super Bowl and do ring-me celebrations. Aaron Donald has nothing left to prove in the NFL, and he should retire at 31 years old because the NFL does legitimate damage to your body. On the same weekend that we're talking about Aaron Donald, we could also talk about Adrian Peterson. Which, if I'm going to bring up Adrian Peterson here and not do 20 minutes articulating this story, I'm going to point out on the front end, Adrian Peterson is a despicable character. Adrian Peterson has repeatedly beat children, repeatedly beat his spouse, and this weekend, coming off of Radio Row in Los Angeles gets arrested at LAX for getting into a dispute with his wife. And this is a very complex issue that we're not going to break down here. But the way I wanted to bring this in is Adrian Peterson has played 
15 plus years in the NFL will be a Hall of Famer the day that he retires unless you want to put the morals clause in there on Adrian Peterson which I don't think the writers or voters of the NFL Hall of Fame should be allowed to be the morals arbiter on Adrian Peterson and Adrian Peterson is going to be a Hall of Famer of 15 years in the NFL and he's still signed to practice squads with the Titans and practice squads with the Seahawks and stat padding with 20 different teams because Adrian Peterson has worn at least six different jerseys in the last three to four years. All of this is incredibly sad at the end of the career, and I wouldn't wish that upon Aaron Donald for anything. Aaron Donald appears to still be in very good physical health, and if there is nothing left to prove and you're Aaron Donald, you can walk away at this point and have dozens upon dozens of opportunities. Chris Cluey talked about this a a couple weeks ago when he did his once-a-year podcast with us, which was like, the only thing that would keep Aaron Donald around is money and love and passion. But even Aaron Donald has so many opportunities left for him. Aaron Donald is going to be a legend across the NFL the same way Lawrence Taylor is still regarded as a legend. First ballot Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer amongst Hall of Famers. Aaron Donald is that special, and Aaron Donald has nothing left to prove. And Aaron Donald also isn't one of these J.J. Watt types where he is the corporate face of an organization. Aaron Donald is the guy who, and I don't want to do a a black-white thing here with J.J. Watt being corporate J.J., Um, Aaron Donald is the guy who seven to eight months ago was falsely charged with beating someone up in a Pittsburgh bar. And Aaron Donald finds himself in a situation where he's pretty unrecognizable to the general public, and he's also one of the greatest football players in the history of the NFL. And Aaron Donald has infinite opportunities for the rest of his life, and I would want to walk away with the beautiful health that Aaron Donald has at this point, relatively speaking. I mean, football does damage to the human body, and Aaron Donald is a massive specimen, but he's also not as massive as we might give him credit for, as he was like ninth percentile in wingspan coming out of his draft. If I were Aaron Donald, this is the point where I walk away. And I know that this is trendy because we were considering, you know, Aaron Donald is contemplating retirement. I would walk away if I were Aaron Donald. You have nothing left to prove at this point other than making $50 million over the next two years playing for the Los Angeles Rams. And maybe that means the Los Angeles Rams have no chance of getting back to this point again. I think that Aaron Donald by himself is not enough to get the Los Angeles Rams back to this point. Because if they had played the Packers in the NFC Championship, or if they had played the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl, the Rams don't have a ring today, and Aaron Donald is possibly doing more damage to his body into his mid to late 30s, trying to chase an elusive championship that ultimately, in the grand scheme of things, isn't the greatest challenge in the world. But for Aaron Donald, he now gets to be in that camp of elite players who are not quarterbacks responsible for their teams winning championships it took a lot of good breaks to roll their way and it took being with that competent organization and that hall of fame good coach but everyone needs some of those even if you're Aaron Donald because J.J. Watt was around incompetence for five to six years they got a franchise quarterback through the incompetence like one of the seven elite quarterbacks probably as good if not better than J.J. Watt and it still didn't matter 
in winning a championship. And so Aaron Donald gets the one that is so incredibly difficult unless you're Tom Brady, who somehow wins seven championships as the greatest of the great quarterbacks. And there's nothing left to gain at this point if you're Aaron Donald. So I would walk away at this point. I think that Aaron Donald has had an amazing career that we have not appreciated enough while in the moment, the same way Calvin Johnson retires and we don't see that again for the next six years afterwards. We don't see exactly what Calvin Johnson brought. Justin Jefferson, amazing. Jamar Chase, amazing. (laughs) Which brings me back to the LSU point, which was, I thought LSU was the modern revolution of football where lots of teams were going to have 60 touchdown games and Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and uh, I forgot the other guy's name now, Terrace Marshall. Yeah, we were going to have guys that throw 60 touchdowns and dominate, throw seven touchdowns against Oklahoma in college football playoff games. I thought we were going to see more of that and we didn't appreciate LSU's greatness while it was here. The good news is it's all been reincarnated with the Cincinnati Bengals. Even if this is the best version of the Bengals team we're going to get, it's still a pretty fun version of the Bengals that reminds us of the LSU team. When when Joe Burrow throws a ball down the field and Jamar Chase, in perfect coverage by Jalen Ramsey, makes a one-handed catch. Today should be about Aaron Donald. It should be a celebration of Aaron Donald. And if Aaron Donald retires, he deserves the celebration tour of appreciating greatness. Because I'm not sure we've done enough appreciating greatness for how good Aaron Donald has been at that position and that size across eight years of NFL football. And I will never forget, I believe it was 2014, watched my first NFL honors ceremony. I don't really watch them anymore now, but I was getting into football, which means you get into NFL with the NFL propaganda that keeps bringing you back to the game over and over again. But I'll never forget that they listed the candidates for Defensive Rookie of the Year, and I don't remember who else was in the running with Aaron Donald, but they were two very recognizable names, and I just did not know who Aaron Donald was. But I also wasn't watching a ton of football at that point. I was maybe watching the Chargers games every Sunday and doing NFL Red Zone. And when they announced Aaron Donald wins Defensive Rookie of the Year, I was I had said right before, well, clearly he's not going to win it. I have no idea who that is. And when he won it, I was like, ah, who the hell is Aaron Donald? And lo and behold, Aaron Donald became his generation's greatest player. It's the second time I did that because I also said, who the hell is Jacob deGrom when he won Rookie of the Year over now, I believe, Kansas City Royal Jesse Hahn. So underestimating greatness. It's the name of the game for myself, which is why I like to come back around and appreciate greatness at the very end. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to our final NFL Monday podcast of the 2021 season. I appreciate each and every one of you for all of the support that you've given us throughout the season. It really is tremendous that you guys have continued to show us all the support. Thanks to our sponsors and to Believe, of course, and all of you are helping to make these dreams come true slowly but steadily. I'm really glad that we can do this at the end of Super Bowls and have a platform to talk about fun stories like Aaron Donald and like this Los Angeles Rams winning a championship. And so I saved this specifically for the very end, but we must celebrate this championship for the Los Angeles Rams the only way that we know how by ramming all day and ramming all night let's ram it everybody take it easy
Shanahan, I'm starting this off. The Rams get down so nobody scores. And don't you worry, cause the Rams are rapping. When game time comes, we'll be back to Zion. We can't sing and our dance is not pretty, but we'll do our best for the team and the city. So get on your feet and clap your hands. Let's ram it right now with the L.A. Rams. Hollywood handsome, Dodge City tough. If you throw it my way, it's gonna get rough. I like to ram it, as you can see. Nobody likes ramming any more than me. They call me Jeter. Nobody dresses sweeter. But under this cool is a quarterback mistreater. I come from the end, looking for the sack. I don't stop coming till I put them on their back. I'm a mountain man from West VA. They call me Herc and I came to play. I learned long ago to ram it just right. You can ram it all day and ram it all night. 